Welcome to the Sober Sidekicks Never Alone podcast, brought to you by the creator Chris Thompson, hosted and produced by Carl Fessenden. This podcast was created to highlight the stories and successes that make up the community that forms the Sober Sidekick. Chris built the Sober Sidekick because addiction thrives in isolation. We want to remind you that you do not have to fight this battle alone. We strive to bring you inspiring stories that will let you overcome your darkness and lift you from the ashes. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode of the Never Alone Podcast. All right, and welcome to today's show. I want to thank you guys very much for tuning in this week and checking out this week's episode. My name is Carl, the host of the Never Alone podcast, uh, along with Chris Thompson. We definitely want to welcome you and uh, just remind you that, you know, you don't have to go through this battle alone. Um, There's lots of support out there, and we're going to talk a little bit about some of those um, support systems that you can utilize if you do feel like you're alone. And uh, we do want to remind people that if you're listening to the podcast for the first time, welcome. If you're a return person, thank you and welcome again. Um, we really are trying to move the podcast into a larger audience. So if you have friends that are in recovery and you think that they might be able to benefit from um, this type of podcast, go ahead and send them the link on the platform that you're listening to the podcast on. Also, make sure that you're hitting that subscribe button on the platform. This is going to allow you to get notifications on upcoming episodes, and you'll always be able to stay on top of our episodes. We are releasing episodes every Thursday morning, so no matter where you are in the world, um, hopefully we'll be able to catch you on your way to work. Um, maybe you're like to listen to podcasts on your lunch break or maybe on your way home from work as a way to unwind. So, uh, you know, podcasting is a really good social network that you can utilize and to really kind of put yourself out there and learn about different, um, people and learn about different areas of recovery and hear different stories. So, uh, podcasting is definitely something that I've really got into when I first came into recovery. So, um, thank you again for listening. And, uh, you know, if you're on a Apple podcast and I think Google podcast now also has the ability to, um, do a rating. So if you would like to give us a rating, that would be fantastic. Let us know how we're doing. We really like to read the comments. Chris and I are very into, you know, trying to make this podcast something that is going to be something that you're going to use and that you can appreciate. Uh, We bring people in from the community with the Sober Sidekick and we share their stories. So uh, again, you know, we're just trying to form and make that community bigger uh, within that social network. So today's episode, we're going to have Connor and um, Connor and I were doing a little bit of talking before the episode, but I want to bring him in and uh, Connor, welcome to the Never Alone podcast. Thank you, Carl. Glad to be here with you today. Thank you very much. And uh, yeah, me too, man. Um, you know, like it sounded like you were just just getting home uh, when I made the initial call to you, and and I was just getting home from work. So I'm I'm very happy that you and I have this opportunity to sit down and and talk about recovery, and and you have the opportunity to share your story with us. So you have um, just a little bit over two and a half years uh, clean and sober. So congratulations. Um, you're a walking miracle. So, you know, I want to put that out there first and, and, um, you know, how do you feel today 
versus maybe six months ago or maybe even like a year ago when you were coming up on that year mark you know what's yeah. what's kind of different for you now it's really been by the grace of god carl and the more i think about it and my journey and where i am now now to where i was in the past right now i've i feel like i've reached a moment of clarity where i'm i i continue i continuously function mentally on a high level whereas you know drugs and alcohol it used to it, it, it used to I, I felt like elevate me in maybe a social environment or whatnot but then it got to a point where it would obviously bring me down it was doing more harm than good so now that i've gotten you know two and a half years of sobriety under my belt i feel that mentally i'm the sharpest i've ever been i can handle stress i can handle the bad days i can say no i can still go to those functions and not be tempted by by drugs and alcohol um because i'm blessed that i'm extroverted in the sense too um you know it's it's, it's not hard for me to to speak to new people i'm in sales so that's kind of the job title anyways but um you know, just looking at where I am to this day, I'm probably the sharpest mentally and the most comfortable in my skin that I, that I've ever been in my entire life. That's, that's really great to hear, man. And, um, I love the fact that you correlated like being in, um, you know, outgoing person, that extrovert, that, that personality that likes to go and talk to people. Um, you know, you said that you're in sales, so I'm sure that you probably don't have a problem sparking up a conversation with somebody, say even in a grocery store that you don't even know. Uh, mm -hmm. And I, I can really relate to that because I was I was that way in early recovery myself, and I wasn't in sales. Well, I, I had done sales before, but I wasn't in a sales role when I got into recovery. I was in a management mm -hmm. role, but part of what I had to do on a daily basis was to help people, um, you know, find the right products, uh, that they would come into the store for. So in a way it was kind of in this sales mindset of, you know, how can I approach my recovery and how can I approach other people? One of the things that I really, um, found to be very useful for myself was being honest with people. And I would almost like say you and I were in line at the grocery store and you had a, a shopping cart full of booze and you know like one of my intros would be like oh man looks like you're about ready to have a fun night and a lot of times that'll help kind of spark that conversation because now i'm spinning a joke right where they'll say oh yeah 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 you know and i'll say yeah you know that's great man but you know i've got to stay away from that otherwise i end up in handcuffs i hope you don't have the same faith that i do and, sure. um, you know, kind of those icebreakers to make people a little more comfortable and to, um, I guess probably I would say disarm somebody to the fact that, you know, I do have a drug and alcohol problem. So what sure. are some of the tools that you've been able to utilize to make yourself more comfortable with who you are now and to also approach people when the need arises to inform them that you you make different choices now because you did mention that you're able to go to functions and you're you're able to get through those functions utilizing yes, these sir. different tools so yes, tell us sir. tell us a little bit about that man 
Well, first and foremost, the community that um, I'm a part of, it's, it's super beneficial. And what I like about that is that I can see people who have 24 hours sober that are going through it, that just, just are really, you know, rock bottom. And I can relive some of the moments that I lived when I was checking myself into rehab, when I was terrified to quit drinking. Um, it puts me back to the way that I felt. And I feel like it's so important to never forget that feeling that you had the day that you quit using. And I also love about the community that you can see people who have 10 years under their belt and they're doing great and their family's beautiful and they're more successful in their careers than they ever have been. And they owe it all to one thing and that's sobriety. And that is one of the most powerful things about that community that I'm a part of. Um, another, uh, another thing that's been super beneficial to me is staying busy. It is working out. It is spending time with my children. It's um, it's all of the things that make me happy. I go fishing whenever I want. I've got hobbies. I've got healthy, uh, healthy hobbies that I truly enjoy to do. And I make sure that I allocate mm -hmm. time for that. And I make sure that I'm, I'm, I'm nurturing the side of me that craves life instead of and instead of just the average or, or day to day work and come home and get the dinner on and, and let the dogs out, th you know, throw something in there that brings you happiness. And as far as the functions go, um, just to hit on what you said, it, it bring humor to it. Um, you know, if, if anybody says, why don't I drink it? Um, you know, I, I might throw a punchline in there. Or I might say, uh, you know, doctor's orders or i might say uh you know used up all my fun days or I'm, even though i have a lot of fun i might just say uh um you know just something to to bring you know sh bring a little bit of laughter to it because i don't want people to feel somber for me i don't want anybody because some people may you know they're like like the niche is and and I've got two brothers who who may go out on the weekends but they buckle down throughout the week and stay dry and and I don't see anything wrong with that but for me personally I have a problem with it and it's best that I refrain and um and by the grace of God I've been able to for two and a half years one day at a time yeah absolutely and you know, um, you talked about being able to bring that humor into it and, and kind of disarming people. Um, you know, uh, I, I play a lot of golf and the golf course is like the um, perfect um, catalyst to people who do like to drink and who like to, you know, have fun and, and everything. And one of the great things that I love about playing golf and, and especially playing golf with other people that drink. Well, well two really great things is that I get to watch them um, pretty much destroy their game, you know, from, from the start <laughs> yeah. being able to, you know, being really good. And then like watching that decline happen. And, and yep. um, that's, that's always kind of humorous to me. Cause I, I always think back, I'm like, man, I used to be in that boat and I'm really happy that I'm not in that boat anymore. Um, but you know, it just, it's, but it's also the ability to meet different people and to talk to different people and telling people that I'm in recovery has opened up so many conversations for me with that person being able to relate 
to knowing somebody, either an immediate family member or another person that they know that has also had the struggles that we have, right? So it really just is kind of like this. It's a great conversation starter for me is to tell Mm -hmm. somebody that I'm in recovery. And man, I used to tell everybody that I was in recovery when I first got clean. And it was so shocking to me because everyone was like, yeah, man, we we, we knew that you were fucked up. We we knew that you had problems. And I'm like, really? Like, how did you know? And they're like, dude, it was so obvious. (laughs) It's like everybody knew before we knew. But then when we found out, we still didn't really care for, or at least for my situation. Exactly. You know, everybody knew before me. But then when I knew I had a problem, I still, I still pressed it a little bit further. Exactly. Exactly. Man, I was watching um, a movie the other day and it had to do with uh, this. Oh, it was Flight. Have you seen the movie Flight with... Um, yes, with Denzel Washington. Yeah. Oh, such a good movie. Now, I it's will put this movie. out there. I'm, I'm not... They, they don't pay me to, to talk about the movie. Um, be careful watching the movie because it can be very triggering to people. So if you get triggered by seeing other people using or having that lifestyle, just be cautious about watching a movie like this. But... I really found the reality of the situation and especially when it came to the denial of people and saying, oh, I don't have a problem or, you know, but, but then it also showed the side where they were like alone all the time and they had this, this really introverted life. And when push came to shove, nobody was really fucking there to support them until they were able to say, Hey, I need some help. So when was it in your life that you realized that, you know, you've got to make a change? Otherwise, you know, this is going to um, take you further and further down this rabbit hole. That's a great question. um, You know, it's important to understand a little bit of background, too, of somebody. Um, I worked for Budweiser for three years. And, um, I was a sales rep for them. I was the beer guy. Um, and this was when I was at the young age of 22 to 26. So that's a pretty vulnerable age for a young man to find himself. I'm not saying that's where my drinking stemmed from, but it, it probably was. And, um, ended up leaving that and I got into manufacturing and, uh, and I ended up having, um, you know, I, I was with uh, my time. We, uh, you know, we, we, we decided she could be a stay-at-home mom while I went to work. And we tried to take that route. And throughout uh, throughout the years, as they progressed, it was uh, it was just the, the weight of the world that I had on my shoulders. And, um and it just, it, it kind of got to be a lot in the way that I would cope, I would cope mm-hmm. with drinking and I would cope with partying. And it was all of the side dishes that came with it too. And, um, it was, uh, it was when me and her were going through some tough times and we, we ended up, you know, breaking up, getting back together, breaking up, getting back together. And the kids were, the kids were kind of in and out of my mm-hmm. life because they were with her mm-hmm. and um 
and I knew I had a problem. Uh, I knew I had a problem and I was hiding, I was hiding cans. I was hiding drinks. I mm-hmm. was, uh, I was, I, I would sign up to like go places in the morning, go whatever grocery or whatever thing. So I could slip out and have a drink. And while I was driving, I mean, uh, you know, I didn't care. And the people think that that, that might sound aggressive, but when you're an alcoholic, that one or two drinks might only bring you back to zero. Yeah. So, uh, it's, it's not like I was, you know, just getting, getting me back to zero. And, um, uh, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't the jail time that I had. I had, I'd spent, uh, a couple nights. I spent a night in the drunk tank. I had to do weekends in jail, uh, for probation violation for drinking and driving. It wasn't any of that that made me want to quit. Because I knew that once I got done with all that bullshit, I'd be back to, to, to boozing again. I wasn't ready to quit. What made me want to quit was when I woke up sick withdrawing off of a seven-day bender. It was a Sunday morning, and I was sick. I was shaking, and I was very sick. And uh, I was withdrawing, and I called my brother over. My sister was over, and I told them, um, I can't keep doing this shit anymore. I, uh, I was, I was disgusted with myself and I didn't like the person I became. I was a shell. I was a shell of myself. I wasn't myself. And I remember specifically looking in the mirror, uh, swaying a little bit and maybe even trying to drink, but I remember the, the drink would go right through me and nothing would hold. And, um, I called my mom and I told her she lives out in California. I'm in Ohio, but I told her what's up and she she was she's always been worried to death about me and she it was of no surprise to her when i told her i need to get the hell out of ohio i'm not going to a rehab 20 minutes down the road i need to get the hell out of dodge yeah and she said she said okay honey buy your ticket and i'll pick you up tomorrow so i bought my flight ticket i flew out to california and i checked myself into rehab the next day and i never looked back since Wow. That's, uh, that's great, man. And you know, um, really that step of removing yourself from that, that environment and from all of the triggers and, you know, and and from all of those things for a lot of people is so necessary. Uh, it's, you know, it's, it's so necessary to take drastic steps like that because people people and places yeah places and people people places and things man i mean it really is true what they say about that you know people places and things and if you're if you're not aware of of all three of them it's dangerous because one of them can come up and bite you in the butt and you won't even realize it until you're sitting at the liquor store with a bottle in your hand and you're thinking to yourself how the fuck did this happen when did I go in and buy this? How did this get in my hand? Right. And you know, I, I work, I work, um, in mental health. I work as a substance abuse or a substance use counselor. And, um, you know, I hear it all the time and people just say, man, it was just, you know, fucking one day I, I, I woke up and, and I had a bottle next to my bed and I don't even know how it happened. I don't even know when the relapse started. So, um, really, really glad to hear that you, recognize that and were able to recognize that you needed to take those really yeah. kind of drastic steps. So, and that's, 
that's a good point you you bring up is just waking up with a bottle in your hand because it reminds me especially how fragile our sobriety is it can be very fragile um i never get too cocky and i never mm -hmm. get too confident i am a huge one day at a time guy because yeah. all i have is all i really have is today that's it and you know what carl that mindset actually can translate into mm -hmm. every aspect of your life. It, it really can, tra can translate into your, your marriage. It can translate into your business. It can translate into whatever that mm -hmm. all you have is today. So you put your, you, you know, you, you get ready and you go out there because, because you got to dig deep today and work for it today and, and nurture it today because all you have is today. That's right. That's <laughs> right, man. So you went, let's see. Okay. So, so now you're on the plane, you're, you're going to rehab, uh, you're flying out to my neck of the woods here in California. Um, were, were you in Northern California or Southern California when you, you did your, your rehab? Um, my parents live in the Valley. Okay. So, uh, San Joaquin County. Okay. And, uh, I ended up checking myself into a rehab in the Bay area, Morrison house, shout out mm -hmm. best place. I could have, I, I could have gone great food great people some you don't think about is the food but right the food was great dude you got to think about the food man when? like i just i just had um my my friend from uh woodland community college she hit me up and she's like hey my sister is thinking about going up to um to one of the rehabs i worked at and uh you know she had a lot of questions and one of the questions was like how is the food there and you're right Connor, you don't think about the food when you're deciding on where are you going to go to get help, but food is very important and a diet is very important, especially when you are in early recovery and you're trying to get your body, you know, equalized again, having that diet, because my diet consisted of melted microwaved melted cheese sandwiches. Um, with probably like eight ounces of cheese, three slices of bread, um, had to be mm -hmm. sourdough bread. And then I would roll into like a big bowl of ice cream with peanut butter. And I mean, it, there was, it, it was no wonder that I weighed 370 pounds when I went to rehab because that was, <laughs> dude, that was my diet was, was yeah. carbs and sugar. Yeah. And that was a reason that, you know, that I almost died was because I was putting all this crap into my body. But right. at the time I was, I was in the mindset like, man, okay, I'm, I'm doing okay because you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a drug user, but I'm eating every day. So my mind is automatically like balancing this out. Like, well, you're eating every day, so you've got to be healthy. Yeah. Right? So diets are very important. Um, I don't even like to call them diets. I call them lifestyle changes. Um, mm -hmm. you know, and, and if you get on, on the track of, you know, making that change in your life, uh, it, you can see a lot of really good benefits from it. So it's like, yeah, uh, tw tw 20 pounds fell off after three months of me not, it's, not drinking or, or using any substances. Yeah. It's just, amazing. Just fell off. It's amazing. Yeah, man. You know, and I, I was in the same boat and it's continued to fall off for me. So um, you know, able to, you know, able to, I'm back down to almost my, my military weight now. So <laughs> I'm, wow. yeah, I'm pretty happy, man. But, um, all right, well, we're, we're getting near the end of the show. Um, but I want to ask you a question that I like to ask all of the guests that have, have come on the show and you're in a meeting. 
you're you have a a new person that just first meeting what is something that you would tell that person to give them a glimmer of hope to let them know that they're not alone what would you say to that person to hopefully spark some desire to try this different lifestyle out yeah so meeting someone for the first time taking this journey i would just be so happy for them first and foremost and i would just let know that it will get better and it does get better and it's uh you know life is a beautiful ride and um and i would just just encourage them to uh continue continue one day at a time focusing on themselves their sobriety what's important to them Mm -hmm. and uh and make sure that they put that first because as i always like to say um, if I'm not good, nothing else in my life will be. So I need to make sure that I'm good first and foremost. And if, if you love someone in life, if you love, whether it's a spouse or children or, or your pets, whatever it is, if you love something in life, you owe it to be good for them. And, uh, and I would just, I, I'm, I love seeing people making that step because it takes tremendous courage and, it's so comforting to know that there are other people who have gone through what I've gone through um, for better or for worse. And, and there's a community behind it too. So I would just encourage them to keep, keep, keep fighting one day at a time. And I would just let them know that it does get better. Oh, that's, that's really, really well said, man, you know, and um, you know, just, just like you said, just keep fighting one day at a time. um, And, love love yourself love other people uh i know that sometimes when we come into early recovery it's hard for us to look in the mirror and to recognize the person that we see on the in the reflection in the mirror even though it is us but we go through that change and and we start to learn how to love ourselves again so that we can love other people and Mm -hmm. by doing that it really allows us to flourish and recovery. So, well, Connor, I really want to thank you for uh, coming on the show today and, and taking the time um, this evening uh, to share your experience, uh, strength and hope with our listeners. Thank you, Carl, for having me. I enjoyed our conversation and thank you for all you do for uh, the community as well. You're very welcome. This episode of the Never Alone Podcast was recorded in studio by the Drunken Worm Podcast Productions. The Never Alone Podcast is part of the Sober Sidekick brand that was created by Chris Thompson. If you are in need of help, remember you're never alone. If you're in crisis, dial 988 for help. You can also dial 911 if you are feeling you're in a life-threatening emergency. Remember, you're never alone, and there's always somebody out there that can help you. Thank you again for listening to the Never Alone Podcast. This is Carl Fessenden signing off, and remember, stay well, stay sober, and live your best life. Take care.